Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for this time of worship. Thank you for the fact that there is no other name above the name of Jesus Christ. God, there's no other name in which we are to follow because there is no other name, God, that can save us. And, Lord, I praise your name for the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, now as we come to the time we look into your word and what you have to say to us, God, I know that there are people here that maybe are heartbroken. Uh, Maybe they're empty. Uh, Maybe they feel like things in their life aren't going like they had anticipated. Things aren't working out like they hoped they would. God, maybe there's relationships that are broken. God, maybe there's physical sickness, illness here in this room. God, I just pray that you would touch each and every one of those. Lord, I, I know that Jesus Christ can come to our rescue. Lord, maybe not in the way we always expect him to, God, but ultimately, ultimately, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he is the answer and he is ultimately what we need. So, Lord, help us remember that. As we look at this passage tonight, I pray that you would just speak to us through it. God, I know that your word has a power to change lives and we believe that. We have faith in that and we trust in that. So, God, we're excited about what you're going to do tonight through this word. God, thank you so much for it. And we ask you now to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So, for whatever reason, uh, well, by the way, um, these speakers over here aren't working. If you just want to know why it sounds weird and why you can hear me really well over here, but not so well over here, it's because those speakers aren't working. Stuff happens. At Simple Church, I don't care what church you go to, stuff's going to happen. Things aren't going to work out real well sometimes. It's okay. It really is. As a matter of fact, I don't even really need this microphone. You, know, you guys know that I'm loud enough, uh, so I don't really need amplification necessarily. But anyway, I'm going to continue to use it, and uh, we'll, just, we'll endure through the fact that I'll, you'll be a little heavier on this side. So if I shout at you folks over there, don't feel bad. It's nothing personal. It's really just for their benefit. I have to shout at them, but it's going to be doubly loud on this side. So just know that. Um, I don't really plan on shouting, but you never know. I, I shout every other message. Why would this be any different? Uh, so I, I don't really know who this is for. Um, like I always say that. I, I, some, some messages, some particular series we do, I feel like, man, this is for me. I'm sorry you guys have to sit through it, but it's really for me. Uh, this one uh, is kind of, uh, I don't know what to say about it. We're in Romans is where we're going to be. And all I can say to you about Romans is, man, there's a lot. I mean, there's a whole lot here. I mean, not just like, yeah, there's some good points and, 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 and we should go through them and, and you'll be really touched by it. I mean, there is just so much here. Like, you, the cup runneth over. I mean, there is a ton here. When you talk about how you're supposed to live your life, what it means to be a Christian, all the things about sin, what it means, to, how Christ died for us, all of these things. I mean, like, I'm not going to do this to you, but we could literally... In just three chapters of Romans, we, I mean, we could stay there for like 6, 10, 12 weeks. I mean, just on the first three chapters of Romans alone. I'm not going to do that to you. Everybody's like, I hope not, man. I'd be just tired by then. Uh, but we are going to spend some time in Romans. So we're going to start in Romans chapter 1. I figured that was a good place. If we were going to go to Romans, maybe we should start in the, at the beginning. That sounds like a good place. Let's do that. Uh, so Romans chapter 1 is where we'll be tonight. Uh, Rome's not a happy place for Christians. That's, that's, a, that's an understatement, okay? Rome is not a happy place for Christians because they, like, set them on fire and stuff. Uh, yeah, so they aren't really looked upon very favorably in Rome. Christians, people that follow Jesus Christ, are spreading the gospel. 
they didn't really want this gospel of Jesus to be spread around in Rome. And they were really anti-Christian. Like I said, they would, they would light Christians on fire while they were still alive. They would burn them at the stake. They would, I mean, some really gruesome stuff. I won't get into all the stuff that they would do. But like they would take animal skins and wrap up Christians while they were still alive inside the animal skins, sew it up, and then they would feed it to lions, uh, stuff like that. Uh, that's how bad they hated Christians. That's how much they didn't want the gospel to go out. So I want you to keep that in perspective as we look at Romans. Because sometimes as we're looking at Romans and some of the passages, you know, there's a classic Romans road on how to be saved and all that. And, and I'm not knocking the Romans road, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. Sometimes we don't give Romans the right perspective. We don't give it uh, everything that it deserves when we're talking about these people that lived in Rome at this time. We don't really look at it from the, the right way, okay? So I want you guys to keep in mind just how much these people were hated. And if people found out that they were Christians, they would try to have them killed. The Roman government did not like the fact that they were Christians. They would do anything to have them taken out. So it was not good for Christians. And we got people still following Jesus. Now here in this world, it's pretty easy to be a Christian, right? Like if you go to Oxford High School, you say, I'm a Christian. Everybody's like, "Woohoo, that's awesome, man. Me too. Yeah, bro. Me, me Christian too. I'm down with that whole... Yeah, Big J, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Greg, you really liked that, didn't you? Thank you, Greg, for being the only person that laughed at that. I appreciate it, man. So anyway, like being a Christian is embraced, and people love to say I'm a Christian here, right, because it's real easy. As a matter of fact, you're looked down upon if you, I don't, I'm, well, I don't know, maybe it's cool now to be an atheist or whatever. I'm an atheist, you know, just because you want to be different or whatever. It's like having a tattoo. You want to be different, so... Like, you just be like the other millions of people have a tattoo. Yeah, you're not really different. I understand, you know, all that, whatever. I'm just saying, like, it, it, everybody calls themselves a Christian. That's because it's, it's so easy. It's so easy. I mean, around here, especially, you're in the Bible Belt, man. It's easy to call yourselves a Christian, wear the Christian label, like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Everybody's like, yeah, it's great. When Rome, it wasn't easy. As a matter of fact, it was anti-easy. It was really, really hard. I mean, like, I don't know the last time somebody's ever threatened to kill you because of your faith, but I don't know that I've ever had that in my life. Maybe it will happen at some point if I go to some foreign country to share the gospel, and maybe that will happen, I don't know. But for most of us, for 99.9% of us, it'll never happen that we'll be on the verge of being persecuted for our faith to the point of death. But I want you to understand that about these people and where they are and how they're starting a church here and how difficult it would be. I mean, can you imagine how few people we'd have in this room tonight if we said, well, if they catch us, they're going to kill us. Y'all come on to Wednesday night worship time. I think we'd probably have a lot, a lot of people go, well, you know what? I appreciate you, Kenny. I appreciate what you're doing. I'm out. I'm going to stay at the house. I'm going to Chick-fil-A, you know, Waffle House is smelling really good right now. I'd rather do that than die. So I think I'll... I'll stick to that, and I'm not really going to be here on Wednesday nights. Yeah, I feel you. I probably would be like, I'd be scared too. I believe I'd still be up here doing it. It'd probably be a lot less yelling on my part. But anyway, so Romans chapter 1, Paul is writing to these people, trying to encourage them, trying to tell them why they're doing what they're doing and how important it is. And 
what a privilege it is to do what they're doing. That's a word that, that just le- leapt out of the page at me. And if you look at your small group material questions tonight, you'll see privilege in there several times because that word jumped out of the page at me. I just, I, it, when I think about what these people endured and how difficult it was to be a Christian in their day and their time, and Paul calls it a privilege. We have to, okay, let's go, let's start. Uh, Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. This is a letter from Paul. In case you were wondering what it is, this is a letter from Paul. It says that, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. This is a letter from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God to be an apostle, and sent out to preach his good news. Now, what is the good news? Everybody knows what this is, right? No, maybe not. The good news is the fact that Christ died for you. The good news is that you don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. That you are set free in Christ Jesus. That's good news. The fact that your uh, sin price has been paid. You've been bought with a price by Jesus Christ. The fact that he paid the debt for your sin. Paul's going to talk about this a little more. The fact that that has happened in you is good news. You know how you know this? You can say what you want to say. You can try to act like this is not the truth. But when somebody is really confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, one thing that happens is when they really, really, truly open their heart, they feel guilty. Am I right? Any of you that have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you know what happens when the gospel hits you right between the eyes one day and you're like, oh no. You can just feel the weight of your sin on you and you're like, I have to do something about this. I have to surrender. I have to get this, all, I have to get this weight off of me. And I know right now that Jesus Christ is the only way. Now, some of you have never had that happen. I recognize that. My prayer and my hope is that maybe through this series in Romans, you'll come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you'll have that that burden, that weight of sin lifted off of you as a result of your surrendering in faith to Jesus Christ. But every single person knows what it feels like to feel guilty. Whether they try to hide it or not, they know the, the guilty feeling they have on their heart because of the things they've done to break God's heart. You know it. You can't ignore it. And Paul talks about this, as a matter of fact. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He's talking about the Old Testament prophets that talked about the fact that one day there would be a Messiah that would come and he would set the people free. He, he, would, he would set them free from bondage. And everybody assumed that that meant free from the Romans. Like, everybody wanted the Romans, they really stink and they really hate us and we want to not be under their control. So this Messiah is going to come one day and he's going to set us free from that. Well, they were so narrow-minded, they just wanted the Romans, you know, out of their life and out of the picture. Really what they needed was a Savior that would save them from, from their sin. That's really what they needed because that's an eternal kind of salvation. Who cares about the Romans when you're going to die one day and you'll be in front of the ultimate judge, God, saying, are you one of mine or are you not? And because of Jesus Christ, you can, if you put your faith and trust in him while you were here on this earth, you can say, I am one of yours because of what Jesus did. Who cares about the Romans, man? I think you have to have that kind of perspective. If you're living in this, Rome, in this place in Rome in this day and time, you have got to have that kind of perspective. Since God promised this a long time ago through the Scriptures, 
The prophets told us there would be a, a Messiah that would come one day to set us free. He would come and set the captives free. The good news is about his son. Oh, man. We need to, you need to take out your pen and write that on your forehead. Feel free to do that. Ask a neighbor, write it on your forehead. The good news is about his son. I mean, like, people memorize all kind of Bible verses. Why don't they memorize one, three? The good news is about his son. That's a good one, right? In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. Born in Bethlehem, by the way. That's how we know because that's where they went when they had to do the census. They had to go back to their hometown. King David was from Bethlehem. He had Jesus born in Bethlehem because he was of King David's bloodline. And he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about how that is the cornerstone, that miracle that we talked about. We did the miraculous theory. That is the cornerstone of our faith as Christians. If Jesus had stayed in the tomb, then our religion would just be like every other religion. But because he came out of the tomb, because he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, that transforming power of the Holy Spirit brought him out of the tomb. Because of that, he is the cornerstone of our faith and he is the reason that we have a hope for eternity. How in the world do other religions have a hope for eternity when their, their leader whether it's Mohammed or, or Buddha or whatever, when it's still in the grave. I mean, how do they go, well, I've got hope for eternity. And I go, well, where is he? Well, he's still in the tomb. Well, that doesn't really speak of eternity to me. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't understand why you would have hope for eternity if, if the guy that you were following was still in the grave. I have hope for eternity because Jesus came out of the grave, walked around, talked to people, let Thomas stick his hand in his womb, said, man, you, dude, I'm here. It's me. I'm the guy that was dead and now I'm alive. It's me. Don't you know? I want you to think about something for just a second. Don't you know how important this must have been for people that were on the verge of death if people caught them being Christians where they were? To have a hope for eternity and say, you know what, no matter what they do, I'm not going to worry about the people that can kill and destroy this body. I'm going to worry about the one true judge that I will stand in front of one day. That's what's really going to matter. That's what's really going to count in my life is, is what I did in the face of opposition when everybody was against me and I was trying my best to just follow Jesus. How big of a deal would that be to you if people were threatening to kill you and I just said, you got to remember, it's about eternity. It, it's about forever. It's not about right here, right now. It's about forever. So you need to come on on Wednesday nights. You need to come and, and you need to seek God and obey God and follow Jesus and all of those things because it's about eternity. Eternity is on the line here. But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than just your eternity. It really is. We're going to see what it's about. Go on to the next verse there. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and the authority the privilege and authority. There is no authority that you and I have, okay? They, they, on our own, we have no authority for anything. But through Jesus Christ, God has given us authority to go and to tell. Just like every one of the apostles that followed him around, if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, and he has given you authority to go and to tell, and it's a privilege, Privilege. I just could not get that word off my mind. 
These people were going to be killed if people caught them telling other people about Jesus. And Paul calls it a privilege. It's a privilege to be killed for the namesake of Christ. It is a privilege for you to be able to go and to share the gospel, this good news, with other people. It turns out that it's more than just about you. It is about everybody else. Once you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it all of a sudden stops being about you and becomes about everybody else. Now, I can't tell you how many people that have been around me for a long period of time probably heard me say that like a million times, right? That it's not about you, it's about everybody else. That's why. It's because it says it. It is a privilege. And God has given us the authority through His Son, Jesus Christ, to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name, and you are included among the Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. Gentiles are people that aren't Jews. Um, do we have any ethnic Jews in here? Any, any Jews? No? Well, Gentiles would speak to all of us. You're a Gentile, just like the Romans were Gentiles. Uh, unless we have any Jews in here, you're a Gentile, okay? So that's all of us. People in Rome... They're Gentiles, and God has given them the privilege and the authority to give this good news to the Gentiles. Now, this doesn't sound like a big deal to you. Oh, golly. I, I, when I first read it, I didn't really, it didn't really hit me the way it, it did after I started thinking about it. So you're a Jew. You've been taught all your life you're supposed to look after your people. You're supposed to marry inside your bloodline, inside, not your bloodline. It's not like a family tree with no limbs, like straight. No, you're supposed to marry only other Jews. I don't know why I say some of the stuff I say. Anyway, you're supposed to marry other Jews. You're supposed to take care of your people. It's about you and your people. You don't associate with outsiders, especially not the Gentiles. Jews, and, and now... Paul is telling them, you have got the opportunity to go and tell other Gentiles. Some of these would have been Gentiles. Some of them would have been Jews living in Rome. And here he's saying, go and put your life on the line so that you can tell other people this good news. You know those people that you used to hate, the people that you don't like, the people that you never really want to have any association with? Good. Go and die for them. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I'm supposed to go and put my life on, my, on the line for those people that I used to hate and didn't give a rip about and didn't care if they, they died in a big pool of blood. I'm supposed to go and put my life on the line for them? Yep. Exactly. And it's a privilege to do so. So think about this. Think about the people in your life you kind of don't really have anything to do with. They've hurt you. They've stabbed you in the back. You don't really like them so much. It's not really... Uh, amicable relationship between you and some person. Paul's saying right here, good. Good. You know that person? Yeah. Go and tell them the good news. That's exactly the kind of person you're supposed to reach. That's exactly the kind of person, the person you really don't want to, exactly. Go and share this good news with them. Even if it costs you your life. That's what it means to follow Jesus. We've sugarcoated being a Christian so long, and there's just there's so much garbage associated with what people call being a Christian. This is what it really means to be a Christian. 
Go and sacrifice your life and everything that you have so that somebody else can hear the good news. Now the question is, when, when, when you call yourself a Christian, is that what you're calling yourself? Is it that kind of Christian? Or is it something else? Is it somebody that, 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 that wears a label that I'm a Christian? Because I go to church every once in a while. Because I do some good stuff. Because I do service projects, that kind of stuff. Or is it that kind of obedience to Christ is the reason you can call yourself a Christian? To lay down your life for the people you hate. That's being a Christian. Not what you thought. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be His own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So we're going to skip ahead in just a second. I know everybody's like, oh, I thought we was done. No, not yet. What he's saying here is, you're His holy people. If you really are His holy people, if you're the ones that, that, that profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you're one of His, as you're going and telling, as you're sharing the good news with other people, what is going to happen is, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God will give you grace and will give you peace. And you will be able to do it with boldness because God has, give, has put your mind at ease that even if they sew me up in a sack and feed me to lions, what matters is eternity and not what happens to me. It kind of sounds different than maybe what you've heard before, doesn't it? When you think about it in the context of how it was really written, it sounds a little bit different than maybe what you've, what you've heard people preach before or teach before in a Sunday school class. It really does sound a lot different when you, when you look at it in the context of what it's really about. And Paul, he, he doesn't mince words here. He doesn't, he doesn't skirt issues he didn't dodge anything. We're going to pick up in verse 16 what it says. Because he's so passionate about sharing the gospel. This is what he says. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. I wonder if some of us in here are ashamed. I'm not talking about would you say it out loud. Oh yeah, I'm ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the evidence in your life is that you're ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about what you would say. I'm talking about what you would do. Is the evidence stacked against you that you're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? As Paul says, it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. His accomplished, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. There's nothing I can say about that or add to that. It says, as the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Faith. It boils down to faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ and the fact that he has rescued you, he has paid the penalty for you, it is the good, that good news. If you have faith in that good news, it is what rescues you and gives you eternal life. There ain't nothing else I can say. There ain't nothing else I can say. Paul just puts it just like... This is what it is. And now, everybody's like, man, that is good stuff. I love it, Kenny. Yes, 
The good news, man, it's all about the good news. It's a privilege to go and share the good news. It's through faith. That's how we have eternal life. That's good. And Paul punches us right in the mouth. He comes right back and he punches us right in the mouth. Look what he starts talking about. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth of their, by, their own, by their wickedness. You know what Paul starts to talk about? A three-letter word that all of us know. It's called S-I-N, sin. For whatever reason, it's not cool to talk about sin in church. Uh, there's a lot of churches don't like talking about it because it makes people feel bad. You know why sin makes you feel bad? Because it is bad. Uh, I know that it doesn't draw a lot of people into church by telling them that their sin is breaking God's law and it's hurting God and it's separating them from God's blessing in their life and it ultimately is what condemns them to death, but through Jesus Christ they can have life. I, I, there's a lot of people who don't talk about sin because they're afraid to. They're afraid that when they do that, people won't come back. I hope that's not the case for the people in here. I hope you'll come back and you'll continue to confront sin in your life and in, in the places, the deepest, darkest places in your life where sin needs to be confronted. I hope that you won't run away from it. I hope that you'll look it straight in the eye and say, i got to do something about it. He says, people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Suppress the truth. What is the truth? Sin kills. Sin is the cause of death. Sin is the reason that death entered the world. People try to suppress it. What does that mean? Just like squish it down. Like we're going to tuck it away. We're going to sweep it under the rug. Suppress the truth. How deadly sin is. It says... They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. What? He made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So you may have some people in your life that say they're atheists. You may have some people in their life that say, I don't really want to have anything to do with this God that you talk about. But the reality is, is that they know. When they walk around and they see a tree, there's something in the back of their mind saying, something made that tree. There's somebody who made that tree and put it here on this earth, and there's somebody who causes the sun to rise and set every single day, and there's somebody that makes the waves come into the ocean every single day. They can try to ignore it. They can try to suppress it. But the reality is that God is there and he's revealing himself over and over and over again. His word also does that, doesn't it? When you hear God's word and your heart starts to feel heavy because of the sin in your life, you know God's there. You can try to suppress the truth. You can try to act like it's not there, but it's still there. And people that call themselves atheists or don't believe in God or whatever they want to say, they know. They know. And, and this is important for you to know this. Because as you share the gospel, because it's a privilege for you to do so, you need to recognize that you're starting from a place where they already know the truth. When, when, when people want to sit down and talk with me, we, I don't know if you call it Christian counseling or whatever. I, I just call it talking to people and trying to help people the best way I know how. You know what I do? You know what I tell people every single time? It's what they already know. 
I, I just tell them the simple truth that they already knew. They just needed somebody else to say it out loud because they were afraid to. And some of you are sitting there going, yeah, I've had that conversation with Kenny before. You're right. That's all he does. He just sits there, and I'll smile and say, what are you supposed to do? And they're like, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go, so you know the answer, right? And I go, yeah. I'm like, so why are you talking to me? Like, I don't know. I just need to hear it, I guess. It's about a gazillion people that, that, that I've talked to over the years that just had that same response. It's like, they, they're like, they, or they'll have a decision in their life about, am I supposed to go to this school or this college or, you know, what am I supposed to do? I'll sit there and smile and go like, well, you already know the answer, right? I'll say, well, talk about it. Tell me, tell me what, what's the pros and cons of each. And they'll start talking about it and then they'll just like, oh, yeah. I said, you're welcome. I just sit here and listen to what you said, and then I just shook my head and agreed, you're welcome. That's not Christian counseling. That's just Kenny sitting there being a doofus and letting you talk to God is all that is. And it happens so many times that I'm just sitting there just telling you the truth that you already know. Maybe even the truth that you've already told me. And I'm just putting it back in your own words. I'm saying, here's what you just said. When you start sharing the gospel with somebody, you need to understand that you're starting with a position of truth that they already know. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. Instead, they became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols, made it look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. This would have struck accord with the people living in Rome because they were just covered up with idols just everywhere in Rome. They were just covered up with, with false, false gods and all this kind of stuff. They worshipped everything. So they made idols to worship these false gods. And everybody's like, well, we don't really do that now. Yeah, you do. There's so many people who worship any and everything but the one true God. They, they'll, they'll, they'll worship, you know, I don't want to get on football teams. I don't give a rip if you like football or not. Uh, you worship anything and everything. I don't care if it's One Direction or whatever. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, like, people will worship anything and everything. Give their full devotion to it. Man, whatever it takes, you know. Like, I can't make it to church on Wednesday, but whatever it takes, I'm, I'm in, you know, for all this other junk. And people know good and well that what I'm saying is the truth. That you give your full devotion and you're, you're, you're fully into so many other things that aren't of God. When it comes to God, he just, you kind of fit him in somewhere. He, kind of, he falls in the list somewhere. You're not really sure where, but, but he's in there somewhere. And you give him some of your devotion. And you give him some of your time, but you don't really give him everything. Because he's not really worth everything in your life. That's exactly where the people in Rome were, man. That's exactly where they were. They were worshiping anything and everything. And, and they had, their minds went just like into utter darkness is what it says. Just allowed them to go down a path of destruction, uh, of just debauchery and just all kinds of evil stuff. And they were just consumed by it and consumed by it and consumed by it. So they tried to suppress the truth of God and they tried to act like they were really smart and they knew what they were talking about by doing that. 
But in reality, it says they were utterly fools. Fools. Now, what does this have to do with you and your life? A couple of things. One is you need to recognize the bigger picture. You need to look at the things that, that God is really calling you to do. And if you call yourself a Christian, if you really do call yourself a, a Christian, where is your devotion to God? Is it fully in Christ? Is it fully with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Is that how you love God? Or does he just fit in the list somewhere? Is he really everything to you? Or is he just somewhere on the page? And you're like, I know that he's there. And I know that he's got a place. But I just don't know if he deserves a spot at the top. I don't know if he deserves the title page, you know? I just believe he's somewhere down on the list. And the other thing is this, is to recognize what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is to share the good news of the gospel. Because if you really call yourself a Christian, if you really call yourself somebody that loves the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and he is truly everything to you, then, then sharing the good news of his gospel is going to look like a privilege to you. And you've got to understand that you're defending from a place of truth that they already know. And the reason you've got to do it is because of this three-letter word called sin. How destructive it is and how it can just tear people down into this, this gutter of destruction. And how awful and terrible it is and they have to be rescued. They'll worship anything and everything when they're down in that gutter. And you've got you to gotta say, man, there's a better way. There's, there's something more than this. If you will have your eyes open, if you will look and if you will listen to what I'm telling you. There is truth here that will rescue you and pull you out of that place that you're in. But that's only for the true Christian. That's only for the real follower of Christ. I want you to know, it's simple, it ain't easy. But you guys need to be confronted with the truth. You need to be confronted with the fact that this is really the gospel. And that's why I say when we look at Romans, man, we could spend hours upon hours upon hours talking about the depth that is here. It's because it's real. And, and whether, whether you're a Christian or not, and whether you try to ignore it or not, you know that it's real and you know that it's true. But I don't have to tell you that. Your heart's telling you that right now. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, precious word. God, how it uh, corrects us, how it instructs us, God, how it encourages us. God, I hope that people have not come away from this message, Lord, feeling defeated. But God, I pray that they would feel encouraged by knowing that simply by turning towards you, turning towards Jesus Christ in faith, Lord, they can truly be set free. They, they can truly... Uh, understand what it means to be a Christian. Lord, they don't just have to, to, to wear the label anymore, God, that they can truly be a Christian. Even though in the face of adversity, God, it is really difficult to do. God, I know that we're not persecuted to the point of death in this, this place that we live in the United States of America, God, but I know that there are people that feel embarrassed, ashamed, they feel too weak. They feel inept in order to be able to share the gospel, this good news with other people. God, I pray they wouldn't feel that way. They would understand that they're defending a position of truth. And God, you would encourage them 
and, and remind them of the place that they came from and the, the sin and the darkness that they came from and how you brought them into life and, and what a relief it was to, to finally have that sin burden lifted. God, remind us of that every single day of our lives. And if we do that, I believe that we'll have a greater desire to share your gospel and to see it as a privilege to do so. God, thank you so much, Lord, for saving my soul, for rescuing me. God, I'm sorry I'm such a terrible failure. God, when it comes to sharing your good news, I pray that I would recognize that if, if you are truly Lord and Savior in my life, if I'm going to obey you, then God, that means going and telling because it is a privilege to do so. God, we love you. God, we want you to be honored by this time of response. However you need to move in people's hearts, Lord, I pray that we just be obedient. In Jesus' name.